Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Illico Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Lane, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name is Ben Smith. I'm Rafe Blanford. And I'm Ewan McLeod. This is Season 13, Episode 3, and this week we've become impulsive and handed the reins back to Mr McLeod. Yes, that's right. It's time for another unscripted episode. We talk politics, fitness and LinkedIn. And we give an update on our Android challenge. Welcome back, chaps. How are you doing? Here we are again. Ray Blanford looking tired again. But I'm also looking forward to recording this episode. I always feel more energised after the 361 podcast. I don't accept that. You just look, look tired. We spend a lot of time saying you look tired at the moment, Ray mm. Blanford. That's because I'm not on artificial stimulants like Coca-Cola and coffee. Yeah, but it's not artificial in the context that everyone else is doing it. Well, just because everyone else does it, that doesn't make the... Why are you not doing it? You and your orange juice? Because I don't I think really you like... misunderstand the word artificial as I well. Know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're working hard, Ray Blanford? I am, yes. Where is the funky shirt? The funky agency shirt? Yeah, last week you were dressed up. This week you've just let it all go. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's a normal shirt. Nothing wrong with that. But yeah. I did like the Take agency. Take the shirt off the pile, the top one. It's clean yes. and work my way down it. And so the shirt that appears is really by chance. But When are we were... getting the agency shirt back? Where in the pile is that? This is making for riveting intro. Six, six, six down, I six think. Six down, okay. There we go. Six right, down, okay. four exciting stuff. <laughs> I'm pleased I asked. Lovely. Good. That's all, this is all excellent content. We should mm. definitely leave this in the episode. So what are we talking about this week? Well, it's one of those episodes, ladies and gentlemen. <sighs> yes, the, uh, the two gentlemen sat next to me here are not feeling good because we haven't written everything down in triplicate. We are doing an unscripted episode, I'm pleased to say. That no planning whatsoever. And why, why are we doing an unscripted episode? Well, I, I, I'm not quite clear on why we're doing it, because both of you agreed to it. And why did we agree to it? Oh, uh, because it was a, a roaring success. Yes, somewhat, right. yes, it somewhat was, against our we expectations. We did two of, two of these in the last season, right? Yeah. Our audience feedback was rather good. And it so never let it be said that we don't respond to our, our feedback, even if it means I think we just wanted to see to both, of you, a little bit. both of you feeling a little bit uncomfortable. It's working. Because <laughs> normally what we do is we sit down, we, we talk around the major topics of the show. And uh, usually... The esteemed Rafe Blamford has gone and eaten an encyclopedia. Um, the, you know, I, I've just done a little bit of research, he says, and then proceeded to tell us everything about the subject. And then Ben is obviously annoyingly educated. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Which just leads me to say, sort of education, yeah, ben. after uh, Rafe's uh, very in-depth responses and everything. But today, there's no planning, right? So what you're going to hear is Ben Smith live and Rafe Blamford Alive, raw, okay. no different and from raw, you and raw and uncut. Yes, so no different in the context. I'm still physically functioning as well. However, no planning whatsoever. So, a couple of things we do have to do, though. Mm-hmm. No, um, first of all, can I just do this with my fingers? No. What am I doing? Works well. Hashtag rub rice. That's right. No. Very important. Just do a quick promotion. 
if you're joining us late or indeed this is your first episode, first of all, sorry. Second of all, we're soon we're doing a, an on-demand services episode. That's and right. For reasons that are lost in the midst of time, and I think mostly involved us having a cheap laugh at the time. We said we'd get Rafe Blanford massaged. He wasn't massively keen, so it's definitely happening. We've raised $100 an episode in order to make that happen. So thank mm. you to all the sponsors that, that uh, contributed to help us reach that target. Just an idea. Just an idea. Just happening, more importantly. Exactly. So Rafe Blanford is overjoyed about this. Terrific. And so uh, we're doing that in a few episodes' time. And uh, yeah, we're very much looking forward to it. I'm very much enjoying the uh, chat on Twitter. Lots of people writing in at 361 Podcast, telling us how excited they are. One typo, which has given us a content idea. So one one typo, hashtag Rob Rafe. Yeah, that's uh, happened to me as well. Whoops. Yeah, absolutely. So Rob me my dignity more like it. Well, yes, <laughs> uh, I think that ship sailed some years ago. But uh, season 14, we'll be down to the Blanford Manor, swag bags and uh, masks in hand. That's, uh, that's the next idea. It's not a different Taking the shirt off your back. Oh, hold on a minute. Quite literally, I'll take the shirt off your back. <laughs> and then putting it on. Yeah, but, exactly. But so I, now, when are we doing this? This is coming up very uh, soon, right? Episode episode five is currently planned. <laughs> uh, yep, the uh, PR people have been PR'd and... Sure, I can conversations find the have, to not be here. Yeah, conversations yeah. have been had. So. We haven't still we haven't worked out. Are the team at Digitalist LBI actually putting him on stage in no. there? Do you know, no. it, it, mostly camera angles is what I'm focusing my time on now. Right. You know, lighting conditions, this kind of stuff. Yes. We get terrible glare off the Blanford, so you know we just need to and work all that out. I am expecting some elements. Can you just let um, Mark know the editor of the podcast? We do want some kind of oil on skin sounds, don't we? Yeah, well, Mark's been searching the back catalogue for just the appropriate music to play along as well. Yes. We've had some you know, fairly detailed content conversations about that, and Mark's, Mark's rating his 70s porn. And they're not doing the streaming, is that right? They're not doing the live streaming? or No. No, I mean, it's just basically because when you start to rub Rafe with oils, you're going to need some kind of adult entertainment license. It gets a bit difficult. I see, right. So, you know, basically, we're going to keep it family-friendly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, Rafe is going to be a massive... And all in the interest of science. That's the nice thing is that you can't argue it's a bad idea because no. it is actual science we'll be doing. Yes. Brilliant. Talking of actual science and things we enjoy... Yes. How's the uh, Android challenge going? And I should probably tell people this is the idea that Ben and Ewan have to give up their iPhone uh, as Apple fanboys and use an Android device for the, so for I'm, the I'm, season. I'm conflicted because I enjoyed the elegance of the segue, but I want to keep talking about massaging Rafe. <laughs> I'm going to let you have that, Rick Bradford. Thank you. Uh, how's it going, Ewan McLeod, you first? Well, just before I answer, because there is a problem here, and that is I don't think Rafe Blanford is playing along properly. No. No, no. Because when That's we normally were, your job. We, well, we were busy doing our pre-conversation about what are we going to talk about, and then we went, oh, we'll do an unscripted episode. And while we're just having a brief chat, Blanford brings out his orange phone. Now, to be the clear. The only phone he had on him, which was... Or is a rubbish, really old it's, Nokia. It's the Lumia disappointment. Yes. Yeah. Which had my work email on it. But I would point out, dear listener, that we are now sitting here recording it and we've got some notes in Google Docs despite it being unscripted because we're doing a, another episode. Oh no, top secret, we record two episodes at one go. Anyway, Ewan and Ben have iPads in front of them. Yes. And they're looking at that. I've gone full Android and I've got Google Drops open on my Android device. So oh, big, big deal, big deal. That's a tablet. The phone I'm holding up, the Samsung, working perfectly well. I'm, I'm having a great time. The challenge I'm having is just getting really, really good at Android. I, mm. I can't work out the dictionary. I need to go and figure out how to stop at putting emails into my words when I'm trying to type stuff. And honestly, the thing that surprised me is when you start using it as your primary device, you want to get it set up just so yes. with all your things on it. Yeah. When it's a secondary device, you seem to care less about it because you can switch back to your other device. So the issue I've had over the kind of week that we've been doing this is that I still haven't quite got the device into a, a state where it's got 
all the things I need on it. Now, there are some limitations, one of which is actually getting things like work email accounts and some other accounts set up that require certificates or support from right. IT and therefore it's a bit difficult to switch and it's something that doesn't get talked about because these days switching devices is much easier than it used to be because so much is in the cloud but there are some things that are provisioned particularly in the enterprise environment that make it a bit tricky to switch as your primary phone I don't know whether you've come across that then I've been able to switch everything except my work email which I can't switch onto Android at this stage so I've taken my main sim out it's in here I'm using it in fact I keep missing all my phone calls because the sound is different and I'm just not tuned in to yeah you know how you kind of you have this kind of gut reflex reaction when you hear your phone ringer go off even if it's somebody else's phone in a shop so I'm having that I don't like it I really don't like it and why not I'm going to try to be positive. Things I like. Dual SIM. Like dual SIM. Works well. Set it up. Basically means I've got my main SIM in here and I've got a backup SIM. And it means that when I'm on the train and I lose signal with my main SIM, I can flip over on the data and I can do stuff. It's cool. It's handy. It's grand. Quite like Google Now. I was going to come into the episode and go, oh, Google Now rubbish. It says it's going to take three hours to drive home and I get the train. And then like, the next day I was going to go and take some screenshots and it went, catch the train. I was like, oh, it's actually worked out that I catch the train now. And yeah. It's changed yeah. on my navigation to train. And it's like, it suggests the route that I would take and it, you know, prompts me. So that's, that's cool. And I, I do, I do quite like that. Yes. Uh, that's about it, to be honest. It's, I, it's ugly. Must try harder. Mm. It is, so, I mean, I, I'm using, uh, I've got Slack on here, which we use for our comms. I've got, my banking apps on here. I've got my accounting software, mm. uh, all this kind of stuff. But it's just so ugly. Like, you know, the screens are crowded. The notification bar is just jammed. I don't know what it is, but the notifications on the same apps as I have on iOS feel way more intrusive and there's far more of them, it feels like, on Android. So how much of that do you think is kind of uh, the familiarity problem? I think, yeah, you, you're right, Rafe. I mean, you said that it would be jarring, and it is. But also, I think that Apple's ecosystem is a place where design and finish and appearance is really highly valued, and it just doesn't feel like that. If I just flip over to my icon screen, it just feels crowded. You know, the icons are huge, and they're spaced, you know, not particularly far apart. Now, I know you can get... And somebody's gonna you be, can, you know, yeah, you can change that. Somebody's going to be going, oh, you can get a launcher and all this kind of stuff. You get, but, but that's not that the default po- experience. Exactly. That's not the point. It's the way that the apps look, the way that you navigate around the screen, the frequency with which the keyboard pops up over the text box that you're typing in, and the screen won't scroll because you're at the bottom. I, you know, if you're at the bottom item of a page, and you're about to go and type something in, the number of times apps don't adapt to lift that up. And, and again, it's not probably something that is built in technically to Android, but it's about the fit and the finish and the expectations. And so I haven't really enjoyed that. I find navigating my way around it... It's got a bit of a... Just everything's hard. Goodness like, me. Right, so so to, to, today... You know, a load of people use this perfectly fine. Well, all right, so, so last last winch from me, then I promise I'll show up. Right, right. Mm. I wanted to sync my calendar and contacts. Yes. Yep, not using not using. Well, that's Google. your problem. That's your problem. You're using some weird and wonderful stuff. I wanted to use CalDev and CardDev. Uh, yeah, go yeah. on. Yeah. Which Just are pro- use Gmail, please. Like no, everyone they're, else. they're proper, proper open standards. Mm-hmm. No CalDev, no CardDev support. I've had to install, buy and install third-party yeah. applications oh, in order to sync. So Google did step back from that a while yeah. ago. The other thing I found 
if you use multiple Android devices, there are quite significant differences between them. Yeah. Now, you can use kind of the Google version, and it's possible to get a run with that onto a lot of devices. But between something like Samsung, Motorola, HTC, and then um, if you get into you know, some of the others as well, Cyanogen, mm-hmm. there are significant differences that actually picking up another Android device can be quite tricky. And I've been using one that I uh, had been using a Samsung, I've switched to using an HTC, and there's enough differences that my muscle memory doesn't quite work, but also you see it in the way applications work. So some of the Google-provided applications will be different to some of the manufacturer-provided applications and third-party ones, yeah. and whether it's got hard soft keys or on-screen soft keys, all of that adds up. And actually, I'll give a shout out to HTC. They've done a good job on their most recent version of their software about it, making it feel more like the standard Google version. They've cut away a lot of the duplicate applications. Yeah. There used to be you know, an HTC version of Photos and then a Google yeah, Photos exactly. as well. They've improved on that. And actually, they deserve a lot of credit for that. And it's made for a much more pleasant experience for me. But I know if you look on other Android devices, that kind of duality and just... Ben says it's that lack of fit and finish, that kind of attention to detail that does seem to be missing. And it's, you know, actually you make the comparison to iPhone or Windows, actually that pure default experience when you get it for the first time, I would say Android has a bit of an issue there still. And I'm surprised because it's been going on for what, five years at least? Even Windows is more polished. And for example, again, this is a Motorola and I accept every device is different, but install an app, it goes into the applications menu fine good and it sticks it on the home screen as well every single app so i've got screens and screens now of apps i've got to go go through and manually remove them Hmm. you know because if i want the exhaustive list it's behind my application screen so it's just too complicated poorly finished it's not a good one right so you can give us something positive here well your job here smith is to get on with it and actually start using this stuff yeah, Stop complaining about it, right? Because at the well, end of the, can, this season, you're meant to be a power user. Yeah. And I suppose maybe mm. some of those I'll become less, more immune to. And uh, some of what Rafe says about the differences are going to you know, begin to fade because I won't exactly. be using iOS exactly. as much. Exactly. So that, I think that's a positive message there, right? Because yeah. I think Ben will get used to it. I'm really enjoying it. I actually quite like the, well, no, I, I really do like the information i'm getting yes i agree it doesn't it's not presented in precisely the way i'd like it to be or i'm used to but I, i'm i'm really enjoying how the apps are able to tie into this, the various different systems that I'm, I'm using for example i like city mapper popping up and tell me exactly what's happening yeah. i really like that google just told me that it's gonna it's gonna rain tomorrow in london it's just yeah. quite nice thanks you know I, really quite helpful i put um microsoft outlook on here as well because it got really good reviews mm. as a, as an email client and then realized oh it maintains a completely separate calendar and completely separate contacts from the google calendar and google contacts oh. so it's not like ios where there's it's one repository it, yeah, and yeah. everything shares the same database you've got to go through that whole mm. process i only just installed facebook <laughs> i thought wait, wait, where's facebook uh, it wasn't installed by default so I've installed it. Mm. All right. Um, are we doing movie quotes? No. No. no well, wait, wait a minute. Movie quotes were one of the best points of these unscripted ep- episodes. They were the most According commented on. No, oh, come on. The, that, no, for, for people the, liked that. No, the, 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 the feedback was u- unanimously poor. Okay. So. All right. All right. Well, I'm doing some anyway, right? Oh. Okay. These go to 11. Brilliant. Uh, come on. What's that? These go to 11. That spinal tap as well. Well done, well done. But that's the, we have to get that one. That's the whole joke behind the name of our podcast. What do you mean? One, one three six better. one is one better. <laughs> do you remember five, five years ago through the stupidity of a drink and sun on a French beach? Okay, uh, Rafe Manford, I want to talk about 
this Politico tracker thing you've been doing. And I want to take a moment just to mither about all things Brexit because we don't want a bit of news, isn't it? Yeah, we don't want to talk about it loads, but I don't think we can not talk about it. So first, there is a mobile angle as well. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the mobile stuff first. But more importantly, let's talk about Rafe Blanford's genius. You're not entirely responsible for it, but you've worked on an updated version of that passbook tracking thing that you did for the general election. We did talk about it before, but if people don't remember, just recap. So this was using Apple Wallet passes to essentially broadcast information. And these are the things you would typically use for your boarding pass, your vouchers or your tickets. But notice that you'd also be able to use it for content because they allow you to push an update to the pass using kind of the push notification system in the Apple push notification service. You put a strip image on it, which is basically an image plus a couple of lines of text. And then on the back of it, you can have freeform text. Did it for the general election, thought it would be a good idea to do it for the UK's EU referendum. Started off by thinking we'll do some poll tracking, then on the night we'll do results. But we needed some partners to do it with. So it was uh, with Politico. For those who don't know, that's kind of a media organisation started in the States and now in Europe as kind of a, a separate entity that focuses very much on being inside the political bubble in Washington and Brussels, respectively. Uh, they were providing the editorial and some of the, the content guidance and, of course, getting it out to their audience. So they promoted it through their newsletters and on their website. And for about a week beforehand, we were doing news alerts and then on the night itself, we're doing results and changing the image to match. It's very successful. Politico has already talked about the fact there were over 7,000 downloads before the referendum day. And obviously that went up on the uh, night of the referendum as well. And it was really an experiment about you don't have to do an app to do push notifications, mm. exploring the possibility of that. And obviously it's maybe a slightly unorthodox use of Apple Wallet. But for me, it was an experiment around all the services that exist on phones that aren't inside the app silo. And obviously there is a, a cost and effort implication to doing something like that. Typically it's going to be a lot less than doing a, a dedicated app. But you have some of the advantage of the app over, say, a website in terms of push notifications and well, engagement. But I also think it's very constraints and actually the format of Apple Passes was very restrictive. But the fact it was just something simple actually is what appealed to people and got some really positive feedback. When you were designing it, you could have just sent push notifications, just here's some news, here's some news, here's some news. Why did you choose to have the passbook bit as well? Because actually doing push notifications on their own isn't really possible. You'd have to do it inside an app. On Android, you can do it using the browser and actually you know, Chrome and a couple of other are looking at that sort of more generally. But this was a very easy way to be able to deliver push notifications without having to go and do a full app and Apple Wallet was a very easy way to do it. And as I said, it's very restrictions and the fact it was simple was I think something that seemed to appeal to people. It certainly resonated as a way of doing something that was around a single topic for a relatively short period of time and a highly engaged audience because of course people who are interested could opt to install it. And as a result of that, it did make me think about, you know, how you do that acquisition of users and how you do things around a very simple topic. Apps are still, I think, the most important way for engagement. And it's the ultimate thing for any brand is to get an app installed. But there is a certain amount of app fatigue. So if you can think about other solutions that let you connect with your audience, it's really interesting. And, it's, you know, we've talked about messaging bots and things like that in a previous episode. All of these, I think, are going to become more not less important and the notifications themselves are getting richer they're on the lock screen they maybe include rich media that's something we're going to see in ios 10 also future versions of android 
And so this was really, I think, from Politico's point of view, it was a way of experimenting with this space around a single topic. And you know, obviously it'll be up to them whether they take that further. But How do our listeners get that? They can go to politico.eu slash tracker and download it there. We can all have a look at it. Yeah, it's on it's, a non-Android phones. On the iPhone, certainly looked at doing it. Oh, on that's other a shame, Rafe, because yeah, I use Android now because yeah, that's a, well, that's the thing I'm that I'm you're sticking to. That definitely keen on. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously Brexit's been a big topic in the Can UK. Can I ask what did you um, recommend in your letter to your employees? What did the Blandford Estate tell its employees to do? Do they get a free vote or? An- you know, the, the the number of employees was so enormous. That didn't feel it was, was a responsible thing to do because, yeah, basically telling the goose to vote for Remain. Or You've got a goose. Rafe block votes for all of the peasants in the estate, <laughs> don't you? And the geese. Yeah. Maybe we could have a serious conversation about the possible impacts of this from a mobile perspective. I'm trying very hard not to address this sensibly because it makes me want to cry. But you know, just feels like, you know, if I don't look too ben hard, maybe, colours to the master. maybe it'll go away. Well, I'm quite happy to sort of share my. I wouldn't normally talk about politics, but this one felt different because it wasn't party politics. It was, you know, sort of fundamentals, but it was not party politics yet. I suppose there's always a party political element, but you weren't voting for a party. I'd never want to discuss the election on here. But I mean, certainly one of the things that struck me was quite aside from the stuff that really matters, because let's face it, you know, Brexit is going to affect potentially every area of our lives. And for those outside the UK, that's, you know, the UK did ultimately vote to leave the European Union. And some people think that's good. Some people think that's bad. The latter, the, it's bad. The latter are correct. <laughs> but, you know, recently we've done stories on here, EU about regulation, roaming, about yes. controlling mergers and acquisitions between operators, about, you know, providing technical standards. I mean, that Rafe, there may even be banking standards coming. Yeah, there may even be something about patents and, and that sort of stuff. I'm not sure. But, you know, I mean, what do you, what do you think the impact on mobile specifically might have just off the top of our heads? Well, other than the obvious in that it really depends on what negotiations happen and what the UK government decides to implement in terms of the regulatory environment. But I think for consumers, there's some probably immediate things that they'll be thinking about, one of which is roaming charges. The EU's recently essentially removed those from international borders. I know that's been very popular with a lot of our audience. Really popular. Honestly, I think that will probably remain in place. But you can also think about some sort of shorter term effects. We've seen a downturn in the uh, financial markets. So the pound has fallen, I think, something like a 30-year low as we're recording this now. It may come back a little bit, but certainly the iPhone 7 will be more expensive for people in the UK than it may have been if the uh, vote had been remained. Now, by it does might, depend what, 20 on what... Quid, 30 quid or something? Well, yeah, and it does depend on it what Apple... It feels like a headline I would have paid attention to. <laughs> it does depend on what Apple does with the exchange yeah. rates, obviously, but also they could choose to adjust the App Store pricing. So suddenly your 99 cents application doesn't cost 79p, it costs 89p or yeah, 99p. Yeah. You know, or they, 458 pounds. Yes, yeah. I mean, all that feels like pretty small fry to me, but I think some of the, the bigger elements about uh, regulations in terms of the way companies are controlled but and operate is apps, longer term, actually store, a big deal. App store purchases, though, are probably one of the few times that regular, normal people buy from overseas. That's a good point. Yeah, and I think it's very visible as well because if that price changes, I think people will be well aware of it. And it's also, of course, all the in-app purchases as well. Which Do you think that's what the in-campaign missed then? They should have been scaremongering that, you know, if you don't uh, vote, remain. Your angry birds yeah, tokens update. are going to be... In- I suspect there were probably some bigger issues involved than just mobile. I mean, I know it's important. 
Yeah. Your real uh, racing three credit. Uh, you know, I, I was just about to joke, hey, Ewan, say something ill-informed and incendiary that will really piss the audience off. But now we've basically suggested that, that Angry Birds is more important than I know, our pensions, let's say. <laughs> so, um, come on, that's not, that wasn't meant as incendiary. Okay. But it's interesting. I mean, in the broader context, clearly there's the harmonisation of regulations, which I think ultimately the UK government will probably end up adopting a lot of them that affect the direct mobile sphere. But I think in terms of things like banking, there are some regulations around that in terms of open payments, which now come into question. I mean, the banks are already down that route, so I don't think that will have an immediate impact. But you know, looking forward, there will be less harmonisation, assuming um, the exit goes ahead between so, so the, the UK. EU and, and the UK. And so that's going to create a market that or is we'll harmonise anyway I mean there is a reality well, that we might just harmonise anyway we'll do what Europe as long as we're happy with it so I mean for those who aren't in the UK audience there's a big discussion now going on in the UK about what it actually means and the reality is we probably won't know for at least two years and possibly longer in terms of the negotiation period and there's sort of Brexit light where you're going into something like the EEA you know you remain part of the single market and there's you know uh, continue to be um freedom of movement or there's the kind of the worst case scenario which is where it's kind of completely out of europe the wto option in terms of trade but actually trade's a good one because there are a lot of components a lot of things going back and forth in the mobile ecosystem that could be impacted by this final question for me then you and probably one for you because you've made businesses in the past haven't you the reason that this may is probably more relevant to mobile than it would otherwise be is that loads of big companies have their European mobile presence in the UK. There's lots of R&D here. There's lots of big firms that are based out of here. And if you're a Google or a Facebook or a Samsung or a Qualcomm, even Nokia back in the day had a a substantial contingent here and there's more I can't think of. If they can't bring the best people into the country easily through Europe and have to use a sort of a visa system and stuff, is there real risk that there'll be a brain drain here? Because that was almost, I think the mobile piece almost happened by accident. You know, I don't think there was ever a government policy that said, oh, let's make the UK a mobile centre of, of Europe. Yeah, I think you also have to remember that a lot of companies have historically based their operations here. I think when I'm speaking to them off, off, off record, and I say, why, why, why UK? And often it'll be because they speak English. You know, okay, well, but why not France or Germany? You're right in the centre of Europe. You know, well, um, because we, yeah, it was just quicker and cheaper and they speak English. And it's interesting you say that because um, it was a when, gateway, you know. when you look into it in a bit more detail, there are things like being in the right time zone that's in the middle, yeah. but also the regulatory environment. There's less red tape in the UK, even when it was in the, the EU. Legal, potentially legal it, yeah. it can, and actually an awful lot of contract law is based on English common law. Yeah. And actually that's probably the biggest reason the financial and legal centres in London have become and that's, relatively dominant. And actually that won't be affected. And that's nice for you, isn't it, Rafe? Because c- common law doesn't apply to you. Rafe has yeah, his own thank special you, posh law. Thank you, Ben. Um, <laughs> okay. But it, it's just the point actually that I think for us to talk about it, we're not experts, but it is going to create... <laughs> it doesn't stop us. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't stop us. But it's probably a more complex issue than we can cover on this podcast. But the fact that we're talking about it, I think, says a lot. There are very few times that politics directly intrudes into the mobile space. And it now has done. And I think the other thing that caught my attention was for this uh, referendum, I saw more discussion of it in social channels yes. than I had done for any previous general election or local election or whatever it happened now, have to you, be. Have you and seen, that was all through mobile. And this is, uh, now, have you seen the, the petition? 
that you can sign up to say, no, I, di- I didn't mean it, or, you know... You I want a second referendum. I want a second referendum. And, you know, millions of people have currently signed up for that. I wonder, is that because we're now living in such a connected environment that it's actually really easy to have a say? You press a button, bang, you've also... You well, know, and it's been in all the social feeds, and, it, you know, that's all mediated through mobile devices. Which Facebook has, surfaced it to me. Yeah, has yeah. changed the way... You know, it's the scale of mobile has changed that kind of engagement with and politics. media interactivity. And actually, there's a reason to be optimistic about that, because in that sense, people are talking about it. There is a discussion going on, and whatever you regard that level as being, I think it's healthy that that kind of discourse takes place and so can be grateful in one sense that it was, it was able to happen. Yeah. Okay, we we might come back to that. It feels serious. We don't do serious. Real. Yeah, and real. And I'm so, shall we move swiftly on then? Yeah. What, what's on your mind then, Smith? Well, I, I suppose um, we're running out of time as a couple, so I think we should skip forward a bit. And I think talking about horrendous, terrible, terrible things that have that just happened, we should probably talk about Microsoft's acquisition of LinkedIn because I think Microsoft is showing some promising signs. I mean, they're not making you know they're not great yet. They're not they're not back to the kind of the industry leading sense. Will they ever be? Maybe, but they were building services that went everywhere. They got, you know, device agnostic. It was really smart stuff. Their cloud services are quite good. Mm. You know, they're making good apps for other people's platforms. I mean, Windows Phone is still a joke, but actually the fact that they're supporting iOS and Android as well as they are means that from a personal perspective, fine, if they want to waste their money on Windows Phone, that's great, but they're just as useful to me and businesses I work with now because of that. But, I am baffled by this acquisition because LinkedIn to me feels like the kind of Microsoft product of old. It's hostile to the user. It's got a terrible interface. You've tried- never been a fan of it. I don't. You like have it. never been a fan of it. I, so LinkedIn has got me jobs. It's kept me in contact with people. Right. It's, uh, but I resent it. I absolutely don't like dishonest products. I don't like products that have what they call anti-patterns that try and trick you into doing things. You're just talking about the email thing. Well, partly partly about email. I'm talking about also about trying to get you to sign up for a subscription by sort of overstating benefits or by making them so hard to understand they're overly complex. I've got a gold logo. Exactly. Exactly. I've got a gold logo. Does that make you feel happy? It does. Thanks. And uh, or, or my, my favourite one is everywhere that says, hey, you should go to LinkedIn, your profile is getting noticed. And then you look at the email that says, you have had one view. I go, oh, wow, you know, one person. So, I mean, that anti-pattern thing is interesting because there seems to be a lot more debate around that happening right now. And LinkedIn is, is kind of held up as the worst example of it. It feels contrary to Microsoft though like Microsoft for their sins used to have these horrible complex products that you couldn't have had them and a million price yeah. points and a million products and it was a nightmare and they still they're getting better but they feel like a brand that's kind of more straight up in one sense I don't think you can blame Microsoft for LinkedIn's past behavior I mean I, I'm saying there that it feels an odd acquisition because it feels yeah. contrary to the culture that my, the new Microsoft is building yeah and, and I do agree with that and I think there's an assumption that Microsoft to get value from this is going to have to rebuild almost from the ground up that user interface into LinkedIn but I want to just touch on something you said you know getting jobs and staying in contact with people that sounds awfully like despite all those anti-patterns and despite the fact I think we could all agree that we find LinkedIn irritating in its apps and some of its web and all the messaging strategy. But it's really useful, isn't it? Eat. Yes, it's a bit yes like, it is. It's a bit like eating Brussels sprouts. You know, I know that there are some benefits for me, but I don't enjoy the process. So if anything, that I tells me... I like it. I use you, it a lot. So you like it. You, uh, yeah. like, likewise, I mean, I find it incredibly useful being able to find out about people before you go and meet them. Yep. So you've got that 
icebreaker and just and send you know, someone a quick one-liner and they yeah. either ignore you most of the time or they write yeah. back to you all right we'll, we'll get in touch and the, the thing that's really interesting about that though actually the fact that you find it so horrible presumably limits your usage of it which tells me that there's unlock value there exactly which actually makes a really smart acquisition from microsoft's point of view because yeah. if they can improve it they can make big benefits and actually Hashtag the, ben feel. The, the, the thing to think about here is microsoft is paying what about 40 or 50 dollars per LinkedIn user, if you assume it's about 400 million LinkedIn users. That doesn't feel like very much when you compare it to some of the acquisitions that have been big, like uh, WhatsApp, for example. Well, how does this sit with their strategy? Though? We could disagree about the merits of the product yeah. and like go and use their mobile apps. I mean, really, actually don't, because I wouldn't wish that on anyone. They are horrible, horrible, poorly made products. What are we talking about here? LinkedIn's mobile products. Well, I use them dire but let's just let's not talk about the merits you, you have got an, an a ux problem don't no, you? i think that that the way people build their interfaces tells oh, you come on it tells you what they think about their customers because right. it's like in the enterprise environment you know you, you and i have seen this like you go into a place that gives workers horrible apps because no one cares if they're nice no one cares if they're effective because you have to use this sodger and this is you want the job this is where the recruiters are this is the one that seems to have won out in the market so suck it up this is going to be horrible and every screen's going to be a popover and every website's going to be full of roadblocks and all this kind of stuff but let's park that one for a moment because we've we, got we, a bit of a yeah we, we can well we can we can come back to it but I'm grumpy today yeah <laughs> well you know just seeing my future crumbling in front of me it's because you're not using it properly I meant the, I meant you're leaving, holding I, it wrong. Yeah, I meant, I meant leaving Europe, but I suppose. <laughs> oh, I, I see. I, I suppose. Right. Yeah. Well, my, I, 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 I was thinking about LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose they're, they're both problems. I think um, B. You know, where do you go to work online? Uh, you know, LinkedIn is a key work resource. Right. But but why? Why, why is it complementary? to Microsoft's products though because for me it doesn't need to be this is Microsoft has to exist in the next few years but why does Microsoft need an enterprise social network or why does it need the things that it could get out of because Microsoft is about the enterprise it is about work and this is LinkedIn is where a lot of people go to work I'm surprised to hear Blamford you know being a massive bigger fan than you are right because typically I associate Blamford with not being as not working well yeah well well, you know it does work in an agency you know didn't didn't even iron that shirt today. <laughs> so I mean, uh, but that, yeah, the fact that you aren't—I'm um, pointing at Ben here—that yeah. you, know, you aren't a massive default LinkedIn fan, and you don't see the connection, you know, between the stuff that helps you do work, or tries to help or prevents you from doing work. You know, the, all the Microsoft suite, the Microsoft exists for enterprise and for work. So if you can connect them, the way Microsoft has explained it, they've said that LinkedIn is the uh, cloud network for professionals whereas they provide cloud services for professionals yes i actually think and and that's true and i think they're adjacent businesses and actually it gives microsoft massive reach into the enterprise and there's really no doubting the value of basically having a global company directory that works between companies and that's what linkedin involves but actually if you think about it if we look a few years ahead context is going to become all yeah. important in business services and so linkedin is basically a gold mine of context information about where you've worked and who you work with so that social graph except it's not a social graph it's your business Works graph. graph yeah enterprise and graph if you can imagine that embedded into some of the microsoft products and particularly when it looks to take on things like salesforce and when you think about things like microsoft dynamics and all of those tools or even just simply layer over outlook and there's been several apps that have kind of looked to bring in that data and if we move towards something that we assume a kind of ai and virtual assistants 
you know, Cortana or whichever one that Microsoft chooses to use will be able to say, you're emailing, you're talking to this person, here's a whole bunch of useful contextual information that can help you make smarter decisions and make decisions on your behalf. And for me, that's where the real value lies. I think the big question is, can Microsoft unlock that? I mean, their first challenge is to rebuild a lot of those anti-patterns you were talking about. But, you know, it's brought some really clever mobile developers. We think about something like Sunrise, the um, kind of calendaring app that it, it bought recently. And it's got a pretty good track record now of producing, as you said, some good mm. iOS and Android apps. So I'm confident it can do that for LinkedIn. It is on an altogether different scale of anything it's done before. And I think that's the issue. We and then, you know, taking it to that next yeah. level, I love the that's going to be hard. I love the really I- hard. love the idea. Hate the execution. Yeah. All right. Now, by the way, 361 Podcast Group on LinkedIn has got three members. Is that you, me and him? Uh, no, uh, Rafe isn't there. It's a, a chap called Matthew Smith, Head of Strategic Projects, Commercial and Private Banking, RBS. Here we go. There Hello, we go. Matthew. No, hi, Matthew. Don't think we've ever met. So Rafe Blanford's not uh, deigned to join the group. I didn't even... But, yeah, thanks for that, Rafe. And by the way, you don't mention 361 Podcast in your Twitter feed, in your Twitter account. You've got to fix that. Okay. Yeah, the sh- do that. Do that. For sure. By so, the way, Rafe, so, um, we'll always have Paris. There we go. I'm, another, having, I'm having listeners, I'm having to do it, you know, by another, stealth. Right? Another, we'll always have Paris. Yes, movie well done. Which yes. is, which is, a, what's the movie? Anyway, Ben, what's, what's the, the uh, next What thing? is the movie? Come on. I don't know. No? I thought you, I thought Blanca uh, would be known. Well done. All right. So okay. uh, we need to wrap this up. I, I'm yeah. desperate to gain some kind of clarity out of this Microsoft LinkedIn thing. So I thought we got there. Good idea. Uh, yes. yes. Universal. Yeah. Yeah. Something to do, yeah. Complimentary product. Yes. Enterprise-ish. Okay. Yeah. First job they have to do, fix the apps. Or yeah, fix- but that'll be quite easy. Though. All right. that, that's not that complicated. In five years' time, the most valuable thing LinkedIn will give Microsoft is data. Yeah, context. Context. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Um, so I, yeah, no, I don't think it's a bad move. It does feel? Well, it does feel like a lot. Twenty-six billion LinkedIn or as well. Whatever it was, yeah. that's you know biggest acquisition they've ever made. Was it, they was, was it cash or not? Um, I'm not sure, but I mean, they don't exactly have the best track record with acquisitions, especially the big ones recently. So. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, right, I mean, good luck to them. And honestly, I'd really love it to be good and integrated because it will make life so much easier. I mean, certainly the stories are they paid well over the price that the, that the market had them at the day they closed trading. But uh, a lot of LinkedIn executives are very heavily uh, rewarded through stock. So that was an important thing to yeah. make sure that they wanted to stay. So Indeed. All right. We've one minute left. So I'm going to reintroduce one of the topics I thought I was going to chop. And I want just the shortest bit of feedback. I'm doing as much walking and stuff at the moment, desperately trying to get fit. Very well. Thank you. Bless you for saying that. Desperately trying to get fit, looking for convenient step tracky gizmos, have given up on my Apple Watch for that purpose at the moment because it wasn't doing a very good job tracking steps. What's the best activity tracker that's not like for high performance sports or anything like, you know? In one sentence, Blanford. What's the one you'd recommend? What's the sports tracker or activity tracker you'd recommend, Rafe? Well, none of them are especially reliable. So actually, I've just been relying on my phone to do it. Right. I've got the Fitbit charge I'm wearing, and I've had both the Fitbit charge and the Apple Watch, and the Apple Watch isn't that out of kilter. There's about 50 steps. Oh. Right. I mean, if, yeah. if I was going to give a shout-out to one, look at the Xiaomi band, because for $15, you can get something that works and is very cheap. That's a good, good shout-out. Well, what's you know, the Microsoft band like? Um, so the Microsoft Band 2, I think, is halfway between a smartwatch and a fitness tracker. They do some really nice things. They've been adding an update recently, which is called Explore, which is specifically designed for tracking walks. Um, it has the GPS track and everything else, but normally that would run out in a couple of hours on any of these 
the trackables, but because they've tuned it specifically for walking, it will do up to, I think it's 12 hours. So you can do an entire day's walk where you're taking pictures, where you stopped and paused, and you, know, you can record various messages and things attached to it. So actually the band too, I think is a pretty elegant approach, I, but I it does, the, um, and it does, charge. it has more sensors than anything else. This Fitbit charge does your heart, I like right, the heart rate, I like the sleeping as well. Yeah, I haven't tried sleep tracking yet, could I give that one a go? Oh, but it's continual heart rate, it's tracking my heart rate right now. It's, it's fantastic looking at across the, uh, yeah. across the week and the month. I'm still alive, mm-hmm. still alive. Yeah, quite still like to have seen Ben's heart rate on yeah. Friday morning. Well, he was not having fun, wasn't he? Not having fun. Okay, I think that's enough of that episode. Because of the the Brexit, by the way. (laughs) Got up late, having not really slept through the night. Well, by the way, uh, Deliveroo does Pizza Express now. Isn't that amazing? That has improved my life to know that. I can get door balls on demand now. Uh, Improved your life is not the same as improved your health, right? No, no that's different. Strange. That's different. Okay, just checking. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because Pizza Express in the UK is such a massive chain brand. It's a massive endorsement for Deliveroo. But the thing I loved about Deliveroo was it could get me delivery of re- no, like really amazing pizza or burgers or mm. or whatever. And then, so you could get like the really good local places. This place is nice. It's nice. Door balls are very nice. It's nice, but one pixel down in the app, I can get you know handmade wood oven fired artisan pizza. But it does bring up an interesting issue about on-demand service, which we can trail for the future episode of Ooh, Doom. Yeah. It's that actually, Hashtag rubbish. It seems some of the most successful ones are those which are effectively aggregating multiple services together. Yes, so yes. you only have to have one app. And actually, I think the taxi firms are doing that in a sense Uber, mm. because they're bringing lots of individual taxi drivers together. But Deliveroo, and there's a couple of others I've noticed that are attempting to do the same thing. So I'm sure we'll touch on that more in the future episode. In right between uh, Ewan and Ben laughing their face off. Yeah, well, more of, that, more of that later in the season. Okay, you can find us at 361podcast on Twitter. You, we're also on Facebook. You can go to 361podcast. We're not on LinkedIn. Yeah, we are on LinkedIn. We've got a group on LinkedIn. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, if you really must. Yeah. You can go to 361podcast.com where you can leave us a message, leave us a voicemail, send us an email, get in contact with the show. We should say some thank yous. We say thank you very much to Mark at audiowrangler.co.uk who edits this and puts this out. Thank you very much to the guys at Digitas LBI for supporting us by providing a recording venue and allowing us to use Rafe Blanford and indeed Rob Rafe Blanford when we are called upon to do so. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for all your feedback. We'll be back next week talking about, well, what will we be talking about, you McLeod? It's a secret. We'll be talking about holidays. Well, I, was going to, I thought, why are you telling everyone? It's meant to be a secret. They'll be so keen to hear, they'll tune in extra. Okay, fine. Holidays. We'll be back next week talking about holidays. Bye-bye. Nobody puts baby in the corner. No one likes these quotes. Come on. No one. Where's that from? Don't know. He does. What's it from? Dirty Dancing. Yeah. But no, no one, no one likes the quotes. No one gives a monkeys about the quotes. And it's Do not just because Ben's a little bit grumpy in this episode. He's very grumpy in that I mean, one, wasn't he? What he really unloaded on yeah. LinkedIn. I thought that was <laughs> no, quite interesting. He's rubbish. He's shit user interface. Hang on a second. You're making me use Android every single day. Like, we just got through the, the most problem. seismic it's political problem. change. It doesn't look nice. It's just, just unrefined. So what, you, what you're saying is the EU referendum was the straw that broke the Kremlin's back and it's our fault for making you grumpy because you're using Android. Just all in, it hasn't been a particularly brilliant week. I mean, short of coming around my house and taking all my favourite food out of the fridge. It's been a funny old week and I suppose actually dealing with all this kind of stuff when you're knackered as well because, you know, it's like staying up late and getting Wait, up early Why are you knackered? Well, we stayed up and watched it. We you did not. Fairly late into the evening, yeah, I know. I just can't, when did de- you go to bed? 
How many votes did you see? Well, I went to bed and it was 13,004 leaving. I'm trying to think. The first one. Trouble was because I did doze off on the sofa and I woke up a bit and... Yeah, I don't know. About three o'clock, I think. Oh, see, I, I never stay up for these things. It's just a waste of time. I know that, but yeah. when you're there, and you're, oh, it's like, you know, this is history actually happening. You know, what if I miss some of the history? And then you realise that you wish you had. <laughs> you wish you'd gone to bed. <laughs> and then there was the Sunderland Declaration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one likes the film quotes. No, you say that. I had some really good feedback yeah, so from I d- some listeners. I demand evidence because all the feedback through the three all right, okay, podcast. All right, okay, all right. Natalie at the office. I think it was Natalie. Natalie. Someone at the office people said people they liked it. People to be complimentary when you ask them in person. Yeah, I think so. Is this somebody whose performance you review you were about to do or had recently done? <laughs> yeah. So now, Tell me about your half year. Now, yeah. by the way, what do you think of the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> so, let's just discuss your promotion and pay rise prospects. But before that, yeah. just any general comments on the podcast? Yeah. So, uh, Rafe, the tracker thing, do you think that's something you're going to do like for, for elections in the future? Because that's two big ones. Show me. I haven't seen it. That's two uh, you've done in a row now, so... I can't believe you've not seen it. We're supposed to be supporting Rafe Blanford. Oh, he didn't send me anything about it. Oh, yes, man. he did. When? Before the um, before did the. He tweeted to me. Yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah, I would hope oh, God, so. You're still using this weird. Yes, I'm, I'm still, still using, using this, the same case that I was using case. four weeks ago. The sticky case. Thing. I thought that was quite good, didn't I? Yeah. I was going to get one actually. Um, don't because it seems to be disintegrating. Fair enough. I would hope it's going to be uh, more widely used. I mean, there was a lot of coverage on it in various places talking about it being unorthodox or even hacking, which is a, a line I can't really get behind. But it was mentioned by the kind of the Newman Media Lab, um, which is kind of a big deal in the journalism world. And it was interesting. A lot of the people talking about it on Twitter and Facebook were very positive and actually not the things we were expecting them to say. It was kind of the, actually the fact it was one glance so they could get an update was what they liked. And the fact it was on a very specific topic is what they liked. And I think using Apple Wallet to kind of broadcast content. Shouldn't you be doing this for the Euros or something? You know. So yeah, there's all sorts of things you could use it for. And I think that broadcasting content is one of them. The interesting thing to get into is you, know, you could personalize them as well. So it could be just on the topics you're interested in. Yeah. Or you know, if you're, well, for Euros, it could be around a specific team or a specific player. Why doesn't Android have something like this? So, I mean, it has Android Pay which is more based around the kind of the wallet stuff around vouchers Mm. and coupons. I mean, it's starting to do some of the boarding pass and tickets and things like that, but it's just not as mature. I mean, Android Pay until recently was only available in the States. It's now available in the UK. That's one of the reasons we didn't do an Android Pay version because it's not more widely available in Europe. And I think the fragmented nature of the Android ecosystem really counts against it because you know that everyone's got Apple Wallet on their phone. They've got it installed. It's a really easy install process. It's just go to a web link or have it attached to an email, then one tap, add, and that's it. It's done. And that was one of the big appeals. You know, getting someone to install an app is pretty hard now. I love the fact you did it off just a a web link because I noticed the Politico guys... I don't think they did it at university, but they put it behind like a survey as well. So they got like, they collected some simple demographic data and then they, they offered up the link. Yeah. And that and I thought, oh, well, you'd never be able to do that in an app store. You know, it'd be really hard to only offer a download, but, you know, in exchange for finding out, you know, age and country and that kind of stuff. And actually in this context, they didn't mind giving it because I knew why it was important. Yeah, and it you know, obviously allowed for a bit of... Uh, slash tracker. Slash tracker. And it allowed for a bit of a feedback after yeah. the fact as well. And actually, we were, it was good to see people were quite willing to do that exchange. 
But I think one of the issues around Apple Wallet is actually collecting stats around it is pretty difficult because you can see the installs happen. You can see people yeah. remove the passes, but it's harder to see the kind of interactions happen. Now, you can put a URL on the back of the pass, and obviously you can track when those are clicked. We're looking at actually a couple of ways of being a bit smarter about the way images are loaded on and being able to track those. And this is the old uh, tracking thing of you loaded a tiny image or something. Exactly. It's like yeah. that kind of same principle. But obviously it's not really what, Apple intended wallet to be used for but what it you know I think the bigger point for me was actually people are quite interested in having something that's you know kind of a micro app for want of a better word without the hassle of having to do an app and it's better than web and so it sits between the two it made me want to be able to put my pass on my home screen so that it was there all the time like a widget because regular android widgets some are handy some are not handy but that made me think oh that's that's exactly you know what I'd like like there and you know, sim- similarly, there's you know some other some other passbooky kind of stuff that I sometimes want to promote yeah. to the front screen. So I thought that was going to be cool. Well, and sort of seeing the live tiles of Windows Phone that kind yeah. of have that state. I mean, also you think about the calendar app on the iPhone. It's a very small thing, but it always shows the correct date. Yeah, yeah. And um, and those kind of touches, which are those, I mean, the Google phrases, micro moments or kind of micro interactions. I think are really appealing and it's interesting to see as we talked about in a previous episode iOS 10 is really introducing them Android is and that idea that you can get information without going into an app I think is going to become a lot more prevalent in the next few years are we going to talk about do you say pregnant prevalent prevalent Prevalent, okay are we we going to do politics on this I'm in two minds because I care but I also well I thought we should mention it I know that people like they don't tune in for politics. Well, they do. They do in the context of him and his, you know, state. I know, but Different that's kind of politics. Yeah, yeah. that's 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 gentry. just the mocking. It's not the politics. Yeah, sadly, it's Rafe Ra- and his peers. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bland for the state. Yeah, <laughs> love it, love it. I don't know because uh, uh, it's like he's doing like, cucumbers now. Cucumbers. Yeah, you get bland for the state cucumbers. Really? Yeah, that go nice with the honey. Mm. Yeah. What other stuff are you doing? You really think I'm going to give you that ammunition? Well, you just told us about your cu- listeners. I didn't he think did, you'd bring did actually um, mention his cucumbers at lunch. Actually, well, you know, living the waitress lifestyle, cucumelons, that's the in thing this cucumelons. is. Cucumelons. You, you heard it here first. Yeah. I don't even know what a cucumelon is, and I feel now... A waitress, is that where you shop? When, when Rafe Blanford starts to talk about Whole Foods? Veg- vegetables you've never heard of, you need to go and think. Um, I think it's Mexican, if I'm correct, and it's basically a small green thing, about the size of a gooseberry. Okay, um, Google. And it's uh, a oh, combination God, of, oh. it tastes a bit like a melon, but sort of crossed with a cucumber. Oh, yeah. And they're absolutely delicious. Um, and actually they became the in thing this what year because Waitrose started selling them as, as plants, as part of the thing, but actually had them for a couple of years. But that, that, <laughs> Rafe had cucumbers before they were cool. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, I'm always uh, well before the trends. And then oh, it is a thing. seem to miss them when they happen, but, you know. I'm not going to just give you free ammunition. Oh, so they they look like miniature melons, like toy melons almost. That yeah. sort of thing a child's doll might hold to me. A vine grown for its edible fruit. Fruit are about the size of grapes and taste like cucumbers with a tinge of sourness. There you go. It's been a learning experience. And I'm so glad we addressed the important issue of cucumelons <laughs> rather, than rather, than, rather than politics. Yeah, so. <laughs> so I, what are we going to do about his um, massage? Are, are we actually going to film it? No. <laughs> Why is that even a question? <laughs> Look, I, because we are with, um, you know, we're here at Digital LBI. What? Okay. Well, I'm just wondering if we, you know. No, 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 no. no. Because they have phoned, they have been in touch. And are you going to tell them or not? 
they have been in touch and they do want to put you on the stage and they do want to live stream it. They've they've got live streaming and they will give us they will brand it as well, which is very kind of them. I don't know who that is. Well, the thing is that I, your man upstairs was telling me that the YouTube live hookups are ready to go now, so you need some test content. <laughs> I love you. You are. <laughs> I love. I love when you because this is the, this is the. Uh, um, but don't worry, Rafe. <laughs> <laughs> He's got his mind. I should have taken a photo. We're, we're, maybe, maybe we'll periscope. We'll, yeah, we'll periscope. periscope we'll, what we'll do actually is we'll vine it so that Rafe Blanford is just persistently being rubbed backwards and forwards <laughs> for the same fifteen seconds forever. So, I would go. just remind you, yeah, that I thought the Android thing was relatively mild. You do not want to feel the full wrath of Rage Blanford. <laughs>